Today we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. We're here celebrating. I know we remember it every day and I know we, we thank him for it every day, but today is the day that we've chose to, to celebrate it uh, corporately. And, you know, almost 2,000 years ago, the ladies went to the empty tomb and they found, they went to the tomb and they found it there empty. And Jesus would come later that day and he would appear to his disciples, proving that he had conquered sin and proving that he had conquered death. But did you know that his resurrection was predicted by him on several occasions? It wasn't a surprise. It was a surprise to the apostles because they didn't remember what he said. It wasn't a surprise to the, uh, to the Jewish leaders. It wasn't a surprise to them at all. As a matter of fact, we're going to see in Matthew's gospel, Matthew takes great detail. He wants to show us that they expected it, that the Jewish leaders, the scribes, and the Pharisees, they knew that he had said he would rise again on the third day. And during a previous visit to Jerusalem, when Jesus cleansed the temple for the first time, he came in, he drove out the money changers. In John chapter 2, verse 18, the Jewish people came to him and they said, what sign do you show us since you do these things? In other words, they're asking him, show, what are you gonna, how are you going to prove to us that you're, you're driving out the money changers, you're overturning our tables? How, prove to us that you're, you're, you're the Messiah. And Jesus says to them, he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews said to him, it's taken 46 years to build this temple. They thought he was talking about the temple that he was in, but he was talking about what? His body. He was talking about this temple. You're going to destroy this temple, the body, the temple of the Lord that I'm living in, and I'm going to raise it up in three days. Again, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, it tells us, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, and he must suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. That's the second time we see it in the book of Matthew. Again, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, when he's speaking to his disciples in Galilee, he says, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised up. Again, in Matthew chapter 20, verses 18 and 19, he says, behold, we're going up to Jerusalem. We're on our way to keep the Passover, he's telling them. The Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests, to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And the third day, he will rise again. Finally, even during his trial before the Sanhedrin, one of the accusations against him, when they remembered what he said, they said, this man said that I'm able to destroy this temple and build it again in three days. They still thought he was talking about the physical temple when in fact he was talking about his body. Mark's gospel, Luke's gospel, John go John's gospel, they all report, record similar things. Jesus told them ahead of time that he was going to rise again on the third day. Jesus had unequivocally predicted his death and his resurrection. The Jewish leaders, they knew about it. They wanted to make sure it didn't happen. They wanted to do everything that could, everything they could to stop it and to keep him so he never came out of that grave. If you remember, after his death, they put him in a tomb, in a, in an, in a borrowed tomb. They sealed it off with a rock, and they wanted to keep him there. We're going to pick up in our study in Matthew chapter 27, verse 62. Jesus' body has been laid in the tomb. Matthew chapter 27, verse 62. I always find it interesting as you read the different Gospels, they all focus on different areas or different aspects of it. Matthew, in writing to the Jewish people, he's trying to convince them that Jesus is the Messiah. And we pick up in verse 62, it says, On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees, they gathered together to Pilate. 
saying, Sir, we remember, while he was still alive, how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away. And they say to the people, he has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and they made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Did you catch that the Jewish leaders knew that Jesus had said that he was going to rise from the dead? He made it, they made it very clear in Matthew's gospel, and they want to keep that from happening. So they go to Pilate, and they say, listen, we remember this deceiver. We remember what he said, that he's going to rise from the dead. We need to make sure that doesn't happen. Because if, if the disciples come in the middle of the night, and they steal, him a, steal his body away, and they tell everybody that he's risen, oh, it's going, to be, it's going to be worse than when he was alive. It's going to be terrible if everybody finds out and starts believing that Jesus is risen from the dead couple of things to point out in this passage notice it says the next day which followed the day of preparation do you know that was a jewish sabbath day they were violating their own law the first day of passover was always a sabbath day the day of preparation was getting ready for the sabbath the sabbath started uh, at sundown the next day they're going the day of the day after preparation would be the first day of the sabbath of, of passover they're violating their own law by going to Pilate on this day and asking for them to set a guard and notice they also said we remember what that deceiver said they knew what he said notice that the jewish people honored Pilate by calling him sir they had more honor for Pilate as they said sir They addressed him as sir, but they rejected, they mocked, they despised, and ultimately killed the king of kings. And they want to make sure he he stays in that tomb. But notice it also tells us by their actions that they believe that he's dead. There's no doubt in their mind that he's dead. They're they're not trying to figure out. the, The plan hasn't unfolded because sometimes people will lay out the plan, well, maybe he really didn't die on the cross. Maybe the disciples took him off and they nursed him back to health and and maybe that's how it really happened. That's not what the Bible's saying. The Bible's telling us they believed he was dead. The Jewish believers believed he was dead. I'm sorry, the Jewish leaders believed that he was dead. The Romans believed he was dead. It, It does away with the idea that he wasn't really dead and his disciples sort of took him back and nursed him back to health. It doesn't work that way. It's it's not even it's not even possible. I ran across the an editorial, I don't know if it's true or not, but I ran across it, it said this, a guy's writing to the newspaper editor, and he says, dear editor, or dear Abby, or whatever it was, our preacher said on Easter that Jesus just swooned on the cross. The disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think? Sincerely bewildered. The response came, dear bewildered, beat your preacher with the cat of nine tails with 39 heavy strokes, Nail him to a cross, hang him in the sun for six hours, run a spear through his heart, embalm him, and put him in an airless tomb for 36 hours and see what happens. You see, it doesn't even make sense, that, that, that argument. It's not even logical. But Pilate said to them, make that tomb as secure as you know how. We don't want him getting out. We don't want nothing to happen. Make it as secure as you possibly can. The fact that he said that gives more credence to the resurrection. 
Because you have the governor, Pilate, Pontius Pilate, saying, do not let this go wrong. Do not let it go wrong. And they would have taken rope and they would have, they would have tied the rock shut. They would have put wax on the sides and marked it in a way so that it couldn't be opened and moved back. They would have known if it was open. You ever, you ever sign your name across something uh, to make sure that no one opens it? I know before I was a pastor, I was a police officer. We used to sign evidence tape. We put evidence tape across the bag. We'd sign our name across it. That way when we went to court, I could open that bag and say, no one has opened this bag. How do you know? My signature is not broken. They made that tomb so it wasn't broken. There was nothing. There was nobody going to sneak in there. And chapter 27 closes with Jesus in the tomb. He's dead. The tomb is secure. And it's guarded with Roman soldiers. What could possibly go wrong, right? Chapter 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Like dead men. Matthew alone records this earthquake and it probably happened before the women arrived at the tomb. In the other gospel accounts, they tell us the women arrived and the tomb was empty. But perhaps the earthquake was to confuse and to get the guards' attention. If so, it worked. They were like dead men. They were afraid. They weren't moving. In other words, they were in board. They were like, like a board. If we play dead, they won't know that we're here. There, there's there's no, nothing. They're not moving. So as the ladies come up to the tomb, you can imagine, as you walk up to the tomb, there's the rock rolled away. And, and by the way, those are big rocks. I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of it or, you know, I've had the, the, I've had the, the, the honor of being in Israel big rocks that would cover it probably a big stone and maybe this big around and maybe you know this thick and it was it was probably this wide and it was very big round rock and it, they walk up the tombs rolled the, the stones rolled away from the entrance to the tomb and here's an angel sitting up on top of it just sitting up there you know just think here they are sitting up on top and they look around and they see the guards they're laying over there and there's a few over there and however many there were there's probably more than two but there they are they're, they're just laying like dead men like you know knees are knocking Chattering on their teeth are chattering. They don't know what to make of all this. Can you imagine? Would you? I wouldn't. Can you imagine that sight? Let me ask you a question. Why'd they roll the stone away? You see, the obvious answer is so Jesus could get out, right? No, he didn't need to get out. He was already out. He can walk. We read later in the scriptures in his glorified body, he had no problem walking through walls or through doors. They didn't move the stone so that he could get out. They They moved the stone away so that we could see in. You see, had that stone never been moved, what would we all have assumed? He's still in there, right? But they moved the stone away so the ladies could see in, so that Peter and John, when they got to the tomb, so that they could see in. It was so the world could see in that the Savior wasn't there, that the Savior wasn't there. The angels sitting on the stone, shining like lightning, clothes as white as snow, two Roman soldiers, or several Roman soldiers shaking in their boots with their knees knocking. And just, I want to make something clear to you. These were Roman soldiers. Don't think, see, we have a tendency to think, well, they're, they're scared, so they're, they're wimps. They're, you know, they're, they're kind of wimpy. That's not, that's not what I believe this was. And if, if anybody saw the movie Risen, they, they portrayed them as, as being drunk at the tomb. I don't think that was it either. I think what you have here is two well-trained or, or several well-trained Roman soldiers who've been given a mission to do, and they're not going to take it lightly. 
They might think it's a little funny or a little goofy because they're guarding a dead man. Dead man or supposedly dead man. They might even think it's a little freaky. If someone said, I want you to guard this dead man. Why? So somebody doesn't come steal him because that's what we're afraid of. They would have been on high alert. They would have been wanting to make sure that nobody came to steal him, that nothing happened. You know why? Because if they hadn't done their job, if someone did what they thought, what they were trying to protect against in that culture, they'd lose their life. They would be, their life would be taken for it. So as we read and we see these guys, they're, they're scared. They're playing like dead men. Think of it this way. Think of, a, think of a group of Marines armed with all of the latest infantry or whatever the military they had. Now, they didn't have the same things we have today, but they would have had all of the, the tools and the weapons that they had that day. They're given a mission to guard something. They're trained to follow orders. And, this, and all of a sudden, here comes an angel. They go, we haven't been trained for that. Our, 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 our weapons aren't going to stand up against that. We don't know what to do. What do we do? Let's play dead. Let's pretend like no one sees us. Let's, let's just get out of the way. You see, but it wasn't just a group of wimpy guys who were drinking, you know, on the job and just kind of lounging around. I think it's just the opposite. I think it was a group of well-trained, well-established, well-put-together soldiers who were scared to death because they got a glimpse into the spiritual realm. And you're going to find the ladies are afraid, and if we were to ever see an angel, it would, you would be frightened too because whenever an angel appears in the Bible, oftentimes, what is the first thing they say? Do not be afraid. Why? Because we're scared to death of them. I've never seen one that I know of. So I'm sure if I was there, it'd be the same way. But look what the angel says to the ladies. Verse 5. The angel answered, and he said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. There it is. Don't be afraid. Why? Because they're afraid. They're, this is freaky for them. This, this is crazy for them. They're, they thought they were going to finish embalming him, and, you know, which was quite a task in itself because he'd been dead for how many days? Three. And they're, they're thinking, well, we're going to go open that tomb and we're going to try to, you know, put some more spices and we're going to pack his body and we're going to... And all of a sudden they get there, the tomb's open, the angel's there, the guards are laying on the ground and now they're going, what do we, what do, we do in all this? What's going on? They're scared to death. But the angel says to him, don't be afraid. He says, I know why you're here. I know why you've come. You're looking for Jesus. You're looking for Jesus who was crucified. And then he says some beautiful words. He's not here. He is risen just like he said he would. Why are you looking for him in a tomb? You should know the tomb is empty, but I like it because their heart is they want to just kind of go fulfill the burial process. The Lord's not there, and the angel's not sarcastic with them. The angel doesn't say, well, you should have known better. He told you 14 times, and Matthew's going to record it, and Luke's going to record it. What's wrong with you? He says he's not here. He's risen just as he said he would. How wonderful it is that when the word of the Lord gets confirmed, it, it is true, it will come to pass, when God says it, you can guarantee that it's coming to pass. He is not here. He is risen. And then he says something wonderful. He says, come. Come take a look. Come on inside the tomb. Take a look. Look where his body lay. Look at the blood stain on the rock. Look at the clothes. Look at the grave clothes that are wrapped there. Look, take a look and see where, he, see where he laid. Come see what it is. You know, this was important for them. It's important for us too because when we see the place where they laid him, we see that the Father did not forsake Jesus. When you look into an empty tomb and you see the place where they laid him, we see that death is conquered. When we see the place where he was laid and it's not there anymore, we see that 
We have a living friend in Jesus. We have all of these things in him. He's not there. He's risen. All of the other spiritual figures, if you will, all have tombs around the world that you can go visit. His is the only one that's empty. His is the only one where he's not there. You can be sure that he's not there. Though Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, those women were, great, were later grateful that the angel told them to see the place where they laid him. It would have, it should have been enough to merely hear the testimony of the angel. Nevertheless, when they saw it, it gave them ground to stand on even more solid than the testimony of the angel. They got to see it with their own eyes. One eyewitness is better than 20 ear witnesses. Men will believe what you have seen if they do not believe what you have heard. So they became eyewitnesses to it. And then he tells them what? Go tell the disciples. Go quickly and tell the disciples. And they went. Verse 8. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. Simple obedience. Simple obedience. Maybe they were running from the angel. I don't know. Maybe they were running from the soldiers. But they took off running. It tells us they went with, uh, they took off running quickly from the tomb with fear because they're fearful of what's going on but also with great joy because their Lord is risen and he's no longer in the tomb. Simple obedience. It seems so easy when you've got an angel sitting on a rock telling you what to do, doesn't it? You say, Rob, I'd be obedient too if the Lord would put an angel on a rock in front of my house and tell me what to do. I'd have no problem following that order every day, would you? I don't know. What if he told you to do something you really didn't want to do? What if you didn't understand the circumstance? What if you didn't understand the situation? These ladies take off and they're just simply being obedient to the Lord. Look at verse 9. And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and they held him by the feet and they worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. And tell my brethren, Go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Jesus appeared first to the ladies. Not to the leaders, not to the Jewish people, not to the apostles, to the ladies who were simply going to take care of his body. The great and mighty disciples would have to learn of the resurrection from the women. And you know what? They were not going to believe him. They're not going to believe him. Mary Magdalene's going to run back. She's going to tell Peter and John they're going to take off in a foot race. John makes it clear that he, he won the race. He got there first. Peter gets to the tomb. He runs right in. John runs in behind him. They see an empty tomb. And they're not sure what happened, but it tells us they don't believe what the ladies are telling them. They don't believe the resurrection. Oh, it had been predicted, but they didn't believe it. They, their eyes had not been opened to it. But notice Jesus tells them two things. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There's nothing to fear. My will, my plans, don't be afraid. I've got this. He says, go tell my disciples. Go on up to Galilee, and I'll meet them there. But also notice that in the presence of the Lord, what did they do? They worshiped. They grabbed his feet. They hung on to him. You're not going anywhere. You're not leaving. We need, we're worshiping you. It says they worshiped. It says, that, so they came, held him by the feet, and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, go on, go do, go, don't be afraid and go tell my disciples. And as these ladies walk in obedience, they're still a little bit confused, probably still even a little bit afraid, and they're still trying to figure things out. Jesus met them right where they were. How wonderful it is. That's the Lord, how he does. He meets people right where they're at. You don't have to go to him. He'll come to you. 
You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to make yourself perfect. You don't have to make yourself better. He'll come right to you. You don't have to get yourself healthy. He'll meet you right where you're at, just as he's meeting them. As I said, the disciples, they're not even going to believe the story. They're going to think the women are crazy. What are you talking about? It's impossible. We, we don't, we don't, what, what do you think about it? it? It's not even possible. How could this happen? But Matthew goes on to point out, you know who had the biggest problem here? The Roman guards. Because what happened to the guy they were guarding? What happened to the dead guy? He's not there. And Matthew makes it a great point to tell us what happens in verse 11. He says, Now, while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. Wouldn't want to have that conversation, would you? When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if it comes to the governor's ears, we'll appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and they did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. You see, they had to, do you see they had a problem to deal with? Well, we were supposed to be guarding the tomb. It was supposed to stay full of the body, but it's not. So they go back to the chief priests, who were the ones that requested the guard. And it says some of the guard indicates there were several, more than, more than you know, one or two. It says some of them went. And can you imagine how this conversation went? As they go into the chief priest, Caiaphas's house perhaps, and the guard walks in and says, Hey, Caiaphas, you know, whatever, however they addressed him, we're sorry to tell you, but you know that guy who you sent us to guard, the dead guy, because you thought that he might rise from the dead? Well, well he did. He, he's not there. He's not, and you, you can imagine Caiaphas going, well, well, no, you can't, you don't, don't tell me this. You can't say that. that, that that's, not, that's not possible. It, well, no, we saw the angel come down. He ranger rolled the thing. Trust me, it's possible. You know, you're, you're going to have to see. Trust me, it's possible. And so as they get together, they, all right, we've got to come up with a plan. Best plan they come up with. All right, here's the plan. All right, listen, guys, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. You just tell everybody. First of all, we're going to give you a lot of money. Okay, we're going to pay you off. All right, good. Lots of, is that enough? Good. All right. Now, here's your story. Here's what I want you to stick with. You just tell everybody that in the middle of the night while you were sleeping, that his disciples came and stole away the body. Anybody else see a problem with that story? I'm not a detective anymore, but if someone says they saw something while they were sleeping, I got to say how. It, it doesn't even make sense. You tell them while you're sleeping. Adam Clark, one of my favorite commentators, he wrote... Here is a whole heap of absurdities. That's what he called it. It's a whole heap of absurdities. It doesn't even make sense. But why did they try to cover it up? Why did they try to cover up? Why, why, didn't, why didn't they just repent at that point? Why didn't they just be moved to their knees and go, you know what? He is the Messiah. For me, I think that would have done it. When, when, the, when the dead guy rises from the grave, the stone rolls away, the angels, the testimony, I think I would have had to rethink my plan. I think I would have to, at some point, not be so prideful to walk back and go, all right, I was wrong. But we don't say that very often, do we? We don't like to say that we're wrong. Even today, we don't like to, mis uh, we don't like to admit we made a mistake. No, we want it to be somebody else's fault. We, wanna, we, can, we can cover this. We can handle this situation. We can fix this. We'll just point it to somebody else. They say, listen, Pilate or, or Caiaphas, if we, if we tell them we were sleeping... Do you realize that we're going to get killed for that? Because our, our job is on the line, our life is on the line here. That, that's not a very good plan. 
And Caiaphas says, oh, don't worry about that. We'll take care of it. We'll appease Pilate. You'll be safe. Just, just take the money and go and tell everybody that, that his disciples stole him away. You know, sometimes people's hearts can be so hard and their pride so great that even confronted with the truth, they refuse to accept it. How much more evidence could have been given that he was going to rise from the dead? If the fact that the Jewish leaders set a guard because he said he was going to, when he did, they should have realized, uh-oh, we've blown it here. But why didn't they? Because their pride crept in. Because they were too prideful to humble themselves before the Lord God and say, I was wrong. Lord, forgive me. I repent. All of the things I've said, all the things we did to this man, we were wrong. They didn't do that. Instead, they tried to cover it up. They tried to blame shift. We're, we're going to blame it on the disciples. We're going to put it on them. And we'll just pay somebody off. We're going to cover it up. You know, for some of us this morning, it's just a reminder of what the Lord has done for us. Some of us, we come to Easter Sunday, and we just think, wow, empty tomb. It's great. We sing songs about the risen Lord. It's just a wonderful reminder. It's just, it's just beautiful for us. But for others of us, we don't know if we're in the right place with the Lord. Maybe we're the same type of people as the leaders where we might even be religious or spiritual, and, yeah, but we won't really humble ourselves before the Lord. We really won't look at our lives and say, you know what? I'm not living according to the Lord. I'm not living according to the Bible. I'm not doing what I should be doing. You know what? Their cover-up didn't work, did it? Because we're still preaching the resurrection today, aren't we? We're still celebrating it 2,000 years, 2, years later. And you know what? The Jews are still saying the same thing. If you ask them what happened, they're going to say that his body was stolen or he was nursed back to hell. Their defense hasn't changed. You know, but we need to ask ourselves, where are we with the resurrection? Is it a celebration for you? Do you gather on Easter Sunday? Do you pray and say, Lord, I just thank you for that salvation that I have, for that hope that you've overcome death, that no matter what I'm going through in this life, no matter if I get sick or financial troubles or family problems or woes, I, can, I know that you're alive and I know this life is only temporary. Or do you look at the resurrection and go, I don't believe it. It's not possible. It was predicted. It was proven. Jesus would go on to show himself to 500 people. He would show himself to his apostles later in the day and even they would doubt you see, the resurrection of Christ is not really doubted by anybody who really investigates it. It's only doubted by those who don't really want it to be true because it'll affect them in some way. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we take the resurrection of Christ. I take, the, I take my risen Lord and I see him as my God and my Savior. And I see him as the one I want to serve, as the one I want to live for every day. He's the one that I want to please. He's the one that I want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant someday. Not just a parent or a boss or a coworker. He's the one that we have to please. So where are you at this morning? You see, that's the question. If you're a believer and you're serving the Lord and you're where you need to be, praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for the resurrection. But if you're not, what are you going to do with the empty tomb? Are you going to cover it up? Are you going to try to ignore it? Are you going to say it doesn't exist? Or will you humble yourselves before a living God that died for you, that says, I want a relationship with you. I want to forgive you of your sins. I want to remove your guilt. I want to take away your shame. And I want you to start walking with me for the rest of your life from this day forever. I want to provide for you. I'm not saying it'll be easy. It might be difficult and it will be hard at times. Walking with the Lord is a lot of fun, but it's not easy. That's for sure. 
But he says, I want to walk with you, and I want to take you day by day by the hand, and I want to lead you, and I want to, I want to just be there with you. I want, to, I want to meet you in my word. I want to guide you. You see, that's what you do with the resurrection. But you still have the ability to say, I don't believe it. That's not for me.